Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, welcome to the Bleacher Connection. I'm Ken. And I'm the much better looking Trevor. Uh, that's debatable. Oh, I don't know about that, Ken, but, you know. <laughs> well, I know you don't have too many mirrors hanging up. I get why. Well, I can go stand in front of a mirror right now. <laughs> Anyways, all kidding aside, you know, we're two Canadian sports nuts with uh, not a lot of sports right now to watch on TV. So we decided, hey, what better thing to do than let's just talk about sports and make everyone else listen to our, uh, uh, somebody call it jaded, right, wrong. I don't know. There are opinions. And that, that's what's important is, you know, whatever we say here is 100% our opinion. And, uh, you know, we, we both watch a ton of sports. We listen to sports radio and, you know, it, it's just, it's the fun thing to do. And I'm sure there's lots of people out there in the same boat as us, you know, really missing it. So, uh, Ken, if you want to just give yourself a quick intro and let us all know who you are. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm Ken, um, grew up on the West coast BC. So, I mean, I'm a big Canucks fan, Lions fan and CFL. That's um, Yeah. Hey, hey, you're, you're no better. You're a Flames fan. So, um, <laughs> I mean, for those uh, listening in other areas that isn't Canada, the CFL is where the Lions play. Um, I grew up playing sports. It's always been a big thing for me. I grew up watching and playing sports with my dad. So it's always had that kind of personal connection there. Someone always, you know, you sit around and love talking with them. So, um, yeah, I just, I love sports, all sports. It doesn't really matter. Um, I mean, not curling, very un-Canadian to say, but. Not a not a huge fan of that. Um, How are your Vancouver Grizzlies doing these days? Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, I think they have about the same winning record as they did before they left. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's touchy. That's touchy. We'll get into that oh, at okay. some point, I'm sure. <laughs> but anyways, I'm uh, Trevor. I'm a born and raised Alberta boy. I bleed red. So, you know, as Ken already alluded to, I'm a huge Flames fan. I'm I'm getting... I think everyone bleeds red, too, just... <laughs> you know, medically speaking. Well, this, the cool kind of red. I'm a, I'm a huge Flames fan. I'm a huge CFL fan. So a major supporter of the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, I really hate anybody that wears a green Jersey. That's uh, very important for people to know, you know, I'm looking at a few hours North of here and a few hours East of here. Um, I love the CFL. I love the NHL. I love Major League Baseball. Go Blue Jays. Even though it might be the Dunedin Blue Jays this year, but that we shall see. You know, I'm again, all sports. I watch them. Golf, basketball, the Raptors. Yay. We're still the champs. But uh, I guess what we want to do here is we really just want to you know, talk about sports and some different 
topics that we you know want to cover and you know current events and things like that and you know obviously COVID's playing a big part in all of our lives right now so you know I think that kind of leads us right into our first topic if you want to bring that up Ken. Yeah just before we get into that just like this is episode one this is our first time ever doing a podcast so please bear with us. Um, that being said if you if anyone is listening and has any questions comments uh, things you might want to hear us ramble on about uh, email is the bleacher connection at gmail.com uh, we will do our do our best to get through anything we get and bring to uh, the podcast uh, any any topics we uh, we want to debate about or just talk about or if there's anything you guys want to hear us talk about you know top 10 reasons why we hate the Saskatchewan Rough Riders I'm sure we could cover on that yeah, that, we could probably spend three weeks worth of content on yeah, that. Yeah, that might have to be the top 100 reasons, not top yeah. 10. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, first thing we just want to kind of talk about is um, kind of going back here in the last, what well, was week and a half, two weeks with Brendan Leipzig kind of having his uh, personal conversation, and I'm air quoting, hacked or leaked, um, made some pretty uh, – ugly comments about former teammates and and current teammates so kind of trevor just kind of thinking like we've seen a few of these things come out in the nhl especially with uh coaches you know we think babcock we think bill peters uh things that have happened in the past is, is this a is this a hockey culture thing or is it a does it do you think it goes further to all sports well i definitely think it goes to all sports um, especially with the accessibility of the players via social media, it, everything they do say is, is, you know, in the eyes of the public. And I think, you know, a lot of these, I'm going to call them kids, you know, 20 something year old millionaires sometimes forget that they're, they're in the eyes of the public at all times, whether that be on social media. And I think, when bad things happen, it's not good. And the results are disastrous for people and for the athletes themselves. And I think Leipzig is uh, like, that was just terrible. You, you can't talk like that, whether it's in private conversations, again, the air quotes or not, you're, it's bound to come out. So uh, is it part of hockey culture? Yes, but I think it's part of sports culture in general. Yeah, I mean, like, and I, I did. I just trying to. I didn't look at it earlier, but go back to I think it was last year, the season before, in in the majors, where two pitchers that I were, I think they're probably twenty five, twenty six right now, got called out for some things they said on Twitter when they were sixteen. Yeah, you know, I like, I can't remember the comments. I can't remember exactly who they were. They apologize for them now, but again, it goes to, you know, that's that's young, right? They're, they weren't pros at the time, but I'm sure they were on their way. Yeah. Um, you know, for the most part, you know, from a pretty young age, whether someone's got the talent to progress, but it just seems to be happening more and more. And I, I think, I don't think it's a new thing. I think social media has made, played a huge part in it being more well-known yeah. that it's out there. But I mean, how many times the, you remember hearing the rumors back in, you know, early 2000, maybe even you know, late nineties of all the rumors of guys on the hockey teams. There's tons of stories being written about players hooking up with other players, wives or girlfriends and stuff, right? Like 
That's not never new. On the Vancouver Canucks. I can think of about a half a dozen stories I've read, <laughs> but we won't talk about Conroy and Funafot either. So, <laughs> but I think I don't think it's a new thing. Like if you look at you know Sean Avery, he was kind of at a point where his career was almost done, anyways. But when he made those comments about uh, Funaf and his ex girlfriend, yeah, right, like. Was that just Avery going, well, I'm pretty much out of the league anyways. I'm going to say what I want to say now. Well, I think at that time it was more of a boys will be boys mentality. And that was okay to some extent. And I think it's really, I think it's evolved in the last, I'm going to say five to 10 years where I think in light of some of the the cultural movements we've had in society, it's just not acceptable anymore. Yeah, And unfortunately you know, the, the locker room talk jargon like that, that's just junk. To be honest, it's, it doesn't matter what you say in the locker room, what you say in your private messages, that stuff's going to get out and it doesn't give you carte blanche to say whatever the hell you want. Like it is no. ridiculous in my <clears throat> opinion. Yeah. And, and the, the all too quick, you know, apologizing and yeah, you only um, apologize I'm sorry. Yeah. I think, but, you got to think like if you were the the subject of those conversations and that all comes out, well, it's no longer a guys and the guys in the locker room hearing about it. Now, how many millions of people have read what he said about, you know, women and things like that and players wives. Like I can't, the biggest part for me takeaway from some of this is that people are actually upset that he got what's, you know, considered cancel culture over this, there's no way he could have walked into that Capitals locker room and not gotten his ass kicked 10 seconds later. I kind of wish the Caps didn't cut him so he had to face the face the facts. Yeah, I mean, he 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 disparagingly spoke about his own line mates. And, and one of them's, you know, Garnet Hathaway's a fairly tough guy. You know, Leipzig likes to throw him around, but he doesn't win very often. I don't think he would have won in a fight against Hathaway. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot to be said about a guy who's played on five teams in five years. The, I think that speaks volumes to the character. And if you, it's the NHL, you're 20, what, 26, and you're on your fifth team. Maybe it's time to look in the mirror, buddy. Yeah, yeah. it's it, That there is definitely – you never really hear about, you know, when a guy leaves a team that there was a problem in the locker room, but – I don't think anyone needs to really say anything in this case. It's pretty obvious. Well, it's very obvious, especially when he starts tweeting about, you know, Jake for Tannen and the, and the terrible group of guys like, you know, that's just, that's, that's not right, man. Like you, you, these are your teammates. They, they went to war with you. They went to battle and you're going to throw them under the bus like that. Like, sure. It was private, but nothing's private these days. There's, there's a, an imprint of everything you say saved somewhere on the internet. So be prepared for it to come out at some point. Absolutely. And there's, there's no way like he's, he's now a UFA. He was a UFA going to be at the end of the season anyways, but I don't think there's any way another team welcomes him in there knowing that he has no problem talking shit about the guy sitting next to him. Who... Well, maybe he can join Bill Peters in the KHL. <laughs> match made in heaven there. I yeah. think that's about his only option is to get out of North America. And I don't think there's a return back for him. I think it's a one-way ticket career-wise. Yeah. I, I find it disappointing that Bill Peters, you know, because he fits right into this topic as well. 
of a, a certain hockey culture. I think it's ridiculous that he had a job within months. Oh yeah, I don't care that it wasn't in the NHL or like the fact it was in any league at all is ridiculous. There's no place for that in any sport, and it's still fresh in the minds. Like I was absolutely, I was listening to Calgary radio one morning when they were talking about it and they go, do you realize it was only three months ago that this happened? It felt like a lifetime because of, you know, the buildup to COVID and everything, but he was literally out of work for three months and he's a blatant racist. Like that's disappointing. And I I could get this wrong, but wasn't Nigel Dawes on the team that he uh, signed with that hired him and he, he walked, he was the team's captain. Yeah. Right. Like, so. That like that's right there. Like that's telling you something. And Akeem Alou plays in Europe. Like does he is he in the KHL or is he just playing in Europe? I don't know for sure, but I know he was definitely I think he was playing in Europe. Yeah. So here here's a guy who, you know, essentially because of that whole fall in line with your coach or else kind of thing, you know, if there were some of the stuff that we read and heard that, you know, Peters kinda buried him because he wasn't a team guy for trying to get away from all of that. Um, you know, he, he has to go fight for a job to get one. Bill Peters gets, you know, again, air quote punished by being out of work for three months, right? Like you take a guy like Babcock, Babcock has a much better winning record than Peters does. And he's still out of a job. Yeah. He's right? like a dick. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. I wonder if that had anything, you know, just quickly kind of off topic. University of Lethbridge no longer has a team and he was uh, a winning coach there. So. Yeah, I wonder if they're just <laughs> like you wonder how far this stuff all goes back, right? Like some of these are just you look at the university level, you look at the junior level. These not all those guys are going to go on to pro careers. Yeah, this you know to get an education and just to play the game that they grew up loving. How many of them walk away with that kind of uh, experience? Yeah, exactly. And I do believe that there is not only in hockey, but I think because we're bigger fans of hockey, we're exposed to it more. I do think that there's a uh, rotten culture, you know, deep rooted in the system that needs to be exposed, and and to some part has been exposed recently. You know, whether it be you know Brendan Leipzig or or Bill Peters, or you can even go back to Graham James and people like that. It's slowly but surely this stuff comes out, and and good, usually good positive stuff happens as a result. So hopefully this this culture in hockey and all sports i hope it's exposed and i hope it's taken care of and dealt with swiftly yeah like you got to think like just take a look at the other side of thing like you have you know vander kane is calling out on twitter a lot of times about the racism in sports not just not just hockey yeah i I, how- I personally am not a fan of vander kane on the ice but that his rant a few months back was amazingly spot on and good on him for saying something. Absolutely. Yeah. Like again, the the player and the, the person there can be two different things. And, you know, just because you shouldn't have to be afraid to go out of your house, go into your workplace, whatever it is, just because the color of your skin, it's a bit of a, you know, it's sad to say in 2020 that we're still dealing with this garbage. Well, and I know it happens in the, the media as well. I have, I personally have people that I I know who used to be who are female and used to be part of, you know, media in sports and they quit. They couldn't take it. It was it was not a 
at all times, you know, the safest and most healthy environment for them. And, you know, again, I really, really hope that changes. And I think, you know, the dumbass remarks by Leipzig and his buddies will help bring that to light, but it, it's not good. No. And that, I mean, we're starting to see it a little bit more. People are losing their jobs over it. Um, and it's not being tolerated as much, but is it because it is, it's out in the open? Yeah. What it, if it was an internal thing that the capitals came across, would it have been dealt with slightly different? Um, Most likely had it not actually got into mainstream media, it may have been swept under the rug, which is, and I'm not, I'm not saying the Washington capitals would do that, but it very well might've been swept under the rug. It's like, yeah. you know, plug your ears and pretend it'll go away. Yeah. Yeah. And this is say like, yeah, again, it's not pointing fingers at the capitals. You can go, insert you know any team here exactly it it could have been anyone on the, it could have been Connor mcdavid on the edmonton oilers it could have been yeah patrick line in winnipeg all saying inappropriate things and, and it would have had to have been dealt with in an appropriate manner by all teams so and, and i'm super happy in the way that the capitals handled it it was swift and it was to the point and they got rid of a bum no absolutely it, and it also was the university of manitoba getting rid of his brother like good on him yeah, the only thing I haven't seen is the Panthers. I think it was the Panthers. One of the other guys is a prospect for them. Don't know what has happened there. Yeah. But again, yeah, you have two guys who are, you're gone. You're, you're done, right? You know, and I'm sure no longer being on the University of Manitoba means you no longer have a free ride potentially to get an education, right? So that's a double whammy right there. Nope, have to agree with everything there. Yeah. It kind of like this might go into a little bit of what next we're going to talk about with with the state of sports and COVID, but it kind of, I kind of overlaps a little bit just with the sports culture in the state. What are your thoughts on Blake Snell's video rant? If you saw it uh, about not taking a pay cut. To be honest, I actually can. I have not seen it. So I'm I'm probably not the one to comment on this. Yeah. I, I watched it and, you know, I, I get no one wants to take a pay cut because of COVID, right? But I guess the the deal with the players and the the MLB is that they they would get prorated for games they played. So if it's a half season, all I'm right, back. And we're back. All right, like I say, episode one, things are going to go sideways. Um, well, yeah, that red button on your screen, don't press it. I wasn't pressing it. I don't even have the phone. Anything we're near the phone. <laughs> that wasn't me. I blame you completely. Um, so yeah, just back to the, just some of the Blake Snell thing, you know, kind of going into the COVID topic, but, you know, Major League Baseball and the players have agreed to a prorated salary for a season, depending on what it looks like, 50%, 80% uh, games played. But uh, part of the issue I guess he was having is with revenue sharing to, to, to spread the money around and well, I don't if there's no revenue, how do you spend that money or spread that money around? Yeah, well, the thing too is it's not just that. It's you got to think like, and a lot of it comes down to is a lot of people like are saying that oh, the owners are being greedy. They want the money for themselves. Well, I hate to break it. If you're playing to no fans, guess what? There's no ticket revenue. And well, tick- and to be fair to the owners, they're the ones putting forth all the money, so they yeah. should get a large majority of it and be taken care of first because if they don't have money there's no team 
Yeah, and the thing too is like you got teams that aren't as financially stable as others. So if you know the money is spread around so that every team survives this and all everybody's getting paid in that way, you know, it I get it, no one like I said, no one wants to take a pay cut because of what's going on, but it's that or have a job sometimes. And I think for the everyday person having to deal with that reality it really kind of sucks to hear millionaires who I'm sorry, but when your work consists of taking the mound 32 times out of 162 games, it's a bad take. You know, when you, when you average it out, you know, I just took using Blake Snell as a example, guy makes 10 mil a season in a full season. He's going to that mound 32 times as a starter. Yeah. Average. You know, if he throws a hundred pitches a game, he's making was it three thousand two hundred and fifteen per pitch. So by twelve pitches, ten pitches, he's made more money than a lot of people make in a year. So I it it kind of irks me to hear someone who makes that kind of money complain about taking a cut. Well, just for... imagine Snell pitching to Bryce Harper. That's almost fifteen thousand dollars a pitch. Well, Harper was one that was agreeing with him too. Well, like, I hate to was. break, I hate to break it to you, but no one's paying you your thirty mil this season if there's no one coming through the gates, no one, you know, buying those tickets, buying the merch, buying the concessions. It, it's not happening. The money's not going to be there because you still have to pay the players, you have to pay the front office staff, you have to pay the guys and women who maintain the field, do all of the, you know physio and stuff like that all the training you got to pay everybody it's you know yes the players are the draw the players are there no one shows up to you know uh yankee stadium to see the steinbrenners no one shows up to you know fenway to see the, the owners they, they show up to see the players but if that money isn't coming through the gate what do you pay the players with well there may right? be a little bit of a lie i may show, show up to gillette field to uh see Robert Kraft because God knows what he might have in his private luxury box. <laughs> yeah. He got smart. No more uh, outside salons. <laughs> he put a lock on that door. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it kind of, so, I mean, with COVID there's so many things going on and I think it's just, you know, I, I, players want to get back and play. Obviously they want to get paid. I just want to hear about millionaires complaining, you know, about money. Yeah. And I think COVID, uh, the, the sports landscape is going to change drastically because of COVID. And as an avid sports fan, I'm actually legitimately worried about how much of an adverse effect it's going to have on sports. You know, playing to empty buildings to me, that's not appealing. Like, I know the NHL is trying their damnedest to get back right now. I, for one, don't want the NHL to come back until it's time, until fans can be in the building. Unless, you know, unless this extends for you know a couple of years, then we'll make concessions. But to me, part of great playoff hockey is the playoff atmosphere and the yeah. fans going nuts and, you know, ravenous fans. And it, it, it's not going to be the same. No, I, I mean, have you, just as an example, this weekend, I kind of um, watched a little of the UFC main event. Uh, 
it was weird without fans in the in the crowd. It was weird. Like you just you hear it's WWE. for is great. Yeah. Like I give them credit. I mean, they they've been doing what they can to put on a show without making money. Like it's for them it was never like we're gonna keep going to make money because again, no one's coming through the gate, so you're not making ticket revenue. Um but it's definitely weird. You hear everything. Especially in like you know, I think I hate to break it to you, Trevor, but it, wrestling's not real anymore. What? Um, yeah, you know, it's, I learned that too recently. You know, when you get a, a kind of like a, like I said, I, I love it. It's entertaining. It still is. And I, like I say, kudos to them and AEW, which I can honestly say I haven't watched yet. I heard it's pretty good from some people that do watch it, but they're still doing their thing to an empty arena for, to give people something that's a little normal, right? You'll be able to tune in. Monday and Friday for Raw and SmackDown, Wednesday night, I think, for uh, for AEW. But you get a little bit of that normal. But when you get to watching UFC and there's no crowd, you miss that, you know, crowd pop when a guy just, you know, catches a guy with a sweet roundhouse to the head or something along those lines. Bundesliga soccer was back on this weekend, and I caught a little bit of that. And it's weird, man. It's weird. I, I If that's what sports is going to be, it's – you know, I think it would be a tough watch. Like, I didn't feel like league. watching paint dry and watch that soccer with no fans. And I watched it for about five minutes. I, it was tough. I have a hard enough time watching soccer when there is fans. And don't <laughs> and, and I'm going to give the fans credit. They the atmosphere is what makes soccer even somewhat bearable. I, I grew up playing it. You know, I, I mean, I played from when I was five until I was eighteen, nineteen, and you know, I love the game there's definitely something about watching soccer on TV to live. If they're there live and you get to watch everything kind of develop and, and grow into a a great opportunity, whether it's on, you know, for a goal or to stop a goal, that's what being a fan is about is being in the stands to watch that. I don't, I'm not, I don't know about you, but I'm not no. I'm in no hurry to get to a uh, game I'm once things in open. Absolutely up. no hurry to get to a game. I even chose before COVID was even really here to not attend a Calgary Flames game because I didn't feel comfortable. And that was before we even had a confirmed case in Alberta. I just didn't feel like it was a good idea at the time because just because we didn't have a confirmed case doesn't mean it wasn't here. And I'll tell you right now, I will not feel comfortable sitting in a stadium for a long, long time. And as a as a Calgary Stampeders season ticket holder, that pains me to say that because I love so it, nothing more than to, you know, watch a, a game. And after every play, you know, give high fives and, you know, shoot the breeze with the guys behind me. It, to me, that that's what sports is. And but I'm just not comfortable putting myself in that in those surroundings and to be honest i don't know when i will be it's tough but i mean like i think in edmonton here i mean that's why i also not rushing to any games because you know there's usually not any games going on (laughs) right now yeah but you know there i believe one of the cases that was in edmonton was from someone at one of the games yes it was so that right there like i mean you got 18 19 people crammed together Uh, who knows and you know, if it takes two weeks to to see signs of whether you're sick or not, that's a tough one. Because you, I like, I don't know. I just I think it's going to be different. Would now would you watch a a playoff game if they were able to take 
um, crowd noise and actually, you know, say put it on a 30 second, 60 second delay, but have like an organist up there instead of playing, you know, during a stoppage playing crowd noise. No, because you know, it wouldn't be real. Sure. It it might simulate it, but we're, we're educated sports fans. It's, it's going to be like the the fake laughter on a, a TV sitcom. It's it's not real. Yeah, and I think yeah, it'll I, be. I think one of the problems right now is sports broadcasts are too fabricated, and they don't focus enough on just the sport. And in my opinion, if they're going to be successful broadcasting sports without fans in the stadium, then they need to get back to the sport and put all the emphasis on the sport and try and figure out how to increase production value by the sport and not, you know, fancy graphics and cutting away to, you know, Eric Francis or Roger Millions and to do a little vignette. It's got to be about the sports. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you you brought it up there with the the graphics and everything. During All-Star Weekend in the NHL, when they had those, the boards that were, you know dynamic or whatever you want to call it where they were different it was way too distracting yeah right because you end up looking at the boards going what's going on there oh what did i oh i just missed a goal i had no problem with it after a goal where it came up like that and then they had who scored it like fine do that but i don't take away awesome from the game after player. a goal and yeah i think i like that part i think you could actually incorporate that into the entertainment value of the product but it can't be taking away from the product on the ice and especially now when you you can't just pan the crowd to look at different people in the stands and like they do in a normal broadcast they're gonna have to figure it out yeah but as a as a longtime sports fan i'm highly critical of whether they'll be able to do it successfully and i think that initially there'll be an a, a surge in viewership because let's face it people are bored but oh absolutely i, I honestly think come you know game seven of the stanley cup finals you know between the calgary flames and the toronto maple no wait hang on a second i don't know we're not an actual company yeah i I know we're not a company but there should be a drug and alcohol policy if you keep talking like that oh (laughs) but i honestly think people will be bored of the product because it's not the same and that initial yay it's back is going to be gone yeah i mean i saw one of the players today tweet out that they they didn't want it to be the COVID cup that they were chasing after. And I 100% bang on. If it's not going to be a real battle for a Stanley Cup, then don't do it. And I don't think it is if they go with, they keep talking about expanding the number of teams. Like, I don't want to see 24 teams make it. Like, you know, right now, yeah, my Canucks are sitting on the outside looking in, but that Pacific race, you know, the Oilers could have fallen from first to, to out of the playoffs in a heartbeat. Now we're going to come back after what been, I'm going to get this wrong. Two, two months out. Oh, by the right? time we get playing two and a half, three months. So you're not, you're, and here's another implication. You've got rust now. So you're going to have to have a mini camp. I think they were talking three weeks. Then you got to play these 16 games just to get to the playoffs. Here you go. How many teams have, are going to have serious cap complications because guys, let's take the Canucks. Markstrom will be back. Besser will be back. That's big money coming back on the books. Now, teams that made moves to 
pick up players who are done for the season who are now going to be available because they've rehabbed. What do you do with salary caps? That's actually and a what very you, good point. And, and what do you do next year when they're talking about the salary cap instead of going up, going down by quite a bit because you don't have this, this revenue. The, these last 16 games, people aren't just going to go, you know what? Keep my ticket money. It's cool. Right. So you, all that money that you're banking on coming in, especially for the playoffs, right? What is that going to look like next year? Or how many compliance buyouts are you going to give the teams? The Flames I only mean, need one. Yeah, the, I thought you were all about Lucic this year. Oh, I don't mind Milan Lucic the player. I don't like Milan yeah. Lucic the contract. <laughs> yeah, Louis Erickson. I was done with probably about four years ago before we signed him. Yeah. But <laughs> there's a guy right there who, I, slightly off topic, just golden opportunity and wasted it. You know, well, Vancouver is a bit of a graveyard for NHL players. So, so I don't know about that one, but guy gets an opportunity like to play with two players who took a guy like Alex Burroughs and made him a 40 goal scorer. And he couldn't, like, he scored 30, 35 maybe in four seasons. Yeah. Like, that, I know they are not, they're not all with the Sedins, but come on. Like, he, it's not like he had a 30 goal season and then scored five over the next three. The guy just did not perform. He took, he got his money, and I don't know what. Yeah, but it's been brutal. Well, brutal. lots of players do it. It's they sign their retirement contracts when they're twenty-seven, unfortunately. Yeah. And then by the time they're thirty-five and those contracts are over, they're five years past their prime. Yeah. So, but that it's a good, it's a good question to ask. What is the NHL going to do when you got a team? And it just because you know, you, I'll use the Canucks. Besser and Markstrom coming back. You're now over the cap. What do you, what do you tell them? Yeah. Sorry, you've got to you either release someone or do you do you have to blow the team up a little bit with compliance buyouts? You know, air quoting during the season. Yeah. Because you're now over the cap because we've had a two to three to four month break because of this pandemic. Yeah. I, I don't. Does the league go okay? we're going to turn a blind eye to this for right now under the circumstance or do they hold fast and say rules are rules and this is what it is. Yeah. I also think another major hiccup in all of this is in the NBA, the NHL, nobody even remembers what happened six months ago, like all momentum and the buildup, like the whole point of a season is this buildup to the playoffs. Well, that buildup is gone. Because yeah. any momentum and excitement is gone. I I couldn't even tell you what the last five Flames games were before yeah. the break, other than Riddich letting in a terrible goal from the sideboards against the Vegas Golden Knights with, you know, a minute nine left. But Oh, you're only going to f- focus on that one? I thought there was a couple oh, more. Oh, there was could... tons of them this year. Okay, yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, yeah. At a later date, we'll get to my viewpoints on Calgary Flames goaltenders. <laughs> top, top, 10, <laughs> top 10 shots from center, Riddick let in. But, yeah. And I think another even bigger issue, and I don't think enough people are talking about this, is the, the strain on the players. You're asking these players, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, to isolate themselves from their families for months and months. That's not right. 
Yeah, well, I mean, the NFL just seems to be going full bore as well with, well, by the time we're ready, it's going to be fine. I don't think so. I'm, I, I would honestly be willing to bet that come week one, if not preseason, those stadiums are filled with people. Because, like, just to use um, a Texas barbershop as an example, if a Texas barbershop who doesn't, you know, generate millions, if not billions of dollars, can ignore court orders and then, yeah, oh, here, sh- sorry. Sorry, I oh, cut off. yeah, sorry, screen. I just interrupted by a call. Um, Don't press I, that I red, button. Right red button. You know, uh, what I was saying was like a Dallas, you know, a Texas barbershop stays open, ignores court orders, and nothing happens. It's in fact one of the senator goes and gets his haircut there and touts them as a as a good company, right? So if did he pop some malaria pills? No, I, I don't think it was. I think it was, I think it was only the higher up. I don't think he drank that? the bleach before he went in, but it it definitely wasn't okay. a haircut worth coming out of there for with. I can tell you that. Um, but you know, I mean, the NFL. If if you can't shut a a rinky dink barber shop down, you think you're going to shut the NFL down? Well, the NFL is, of any of the leagues, in my opinion, the most profit-driven because it is the highest-profiting league. They could care less about their fans because they know that in Green Bay there's 50,000 seats and they could easily fill 100,000 seats every week. I think if there's a league that doesn't care about their fans, it's them. Yeah, they they seem to be going ahead without a worry in the world that there could be changes. So, and I just worry that people are going to get very sick and potentially die as a result of going to sporting events. And I think that is the scariest prospect yeah. ever. It, you're going there to have a good time, not to potentially get a life altering illness. Oh, exactly. You know, that kind of like, well, on the football topic, you know, we're you know, here in Canada, we're looking at the CFL asking the government for, for $150 million in, in relief. Uh, I don't know. What I, as a CFL fan, yeah, I want to see it survive and thrive and continue to grow. But as a taxpayer, I'd want to see that money go potentially somewhere else first. Yeah. I'm very torn on the CFL. Cause you know, as discussed, I'm a, I'm a season ticket yeah. holder. I was too in BC and yeah. And I'm, I don't want my league to go away, but I also don't know that if the government sets a precedent and bails them out, then other leagues are going to come, come well, in. Mean, and if you look, that's, that's, yeah. I mean, if you look in the States, like to kind of talk about this a little bit, the U S government gave the Lakers four and a half million dollars. And if there's a, organization that doesn't need four and a half million dollar bailout it's probably the lakers go well i saw big corporations in the usa get caught taking from the government bailout. the lakers gave it back once it became public knowledge but it's like how did you even get to that point yeah go sell some more lebron jerseys you'll be fine you know i guess with the cf they only apologize because yeah again you know i think with the cfl though for myself I would be much more on board with the government loaning the money to the CFL 
with the caveat of very lenient repayment. And even I would go to say no interest. Say, because the league doesn't generate the type of money that any other sports league does, right? No. Absolutely. So it's unfair to say, okay, we'll give you a $150 million loan. You got to pay it back in five years because that that's not going to happen, right? So no. you got nine teams. You've got to head, you know, the league. So that's 10. If you were to give each team $15 million, then say, here you go. This is your share. Use what you need. But if you don't, don't. And then at the end of it, once things start rolling, they give what they have back, pay back the rest. But I, but I would also yeah. like to see the league do it smartly, where a team doesn't go to the Bo Levi Mitchells and the Mike Rileys and you know Trevor Harris's, the guys that make the money, and say, "Here you go. Here's a big chunk of money. You know, hey, second string linebacker. Here's a small slice of the cake." I would like to see it be done in yeah. reverse where the bulk of the help goes to the guys that don't make the money, the guys that have to work two jobs. Sorry. Well, two jobs is in one, a football player two something else to make it. Yeah. I would like to see them get bailed out more because their second job may not exist because of the pandemic. So yeah. help them out. The guys that don't need it, don't take it right now. Obviously everyone's going to need a little bit at some point. I'm cool with that. But that's what I like. I would prefer it to be a loan where the league is given opportunity to pay it back generously so that they're not going to die. That they're not living on a, you know, crumbs and water when it comes time to after they've made their loan payment. Now, if the, so not every team's like the Toronto Argonauts. Yeah. yeah like, I mean, I, I, I want to see the league survive. But I mean, if the, if the yeah, league can't, too. you know, so I, that whole no interest thing. Now, if the league starts missing payments, that's a caveat. You you miss payments, you're going to pay interest going forward, yeah. right? But I, I I just don't want to see a handout to uh, to the league. And I know Braley, David Braley, BC Lions owner, tweeted out saying that you know come September they could get eight to nine games in. If they can't get that, then the league's in trouble. You know. Yeah. So if that's a playing option where you don't necessarily need the bailout. You know, do what you can to get those games in, but is that with or without fans? Because I didn't really get into that part of it. Yeah. Just you. If there's if there's a league that needs to play without fans potentially, just for any revenue, be it on you know Canadian TV, it is the CFL. Yeah. If, if they can get any revenue stream by at least playing without fans, in my opinion, they're going to have to, and. Because there is, it's such a gate-driven league that without that revenue at all, they're well. And part of it is a gate-driven, gate-driven revenue, but they don't do themselves any favor with merchandise. It's it's not readily available throughout Canada. It's a Canadian league. You got a lot of people, you know, like myself, used to live in outside of Vancouver. I now live in Edmonton. It is impossible. I'm sorry, my choice. Yeah. It's impossible to get any BC Lions gear unless I go online. And then, uh, you know, a hat or a a hoodie is costing me that, whatever the price, plus $30 to ship it. It's yeah. kind of ridiculous. And you look at the number of NFL jerseys in Canada versus CFL jerseys, and you probably count more NFL because you can get them at a lower price point. Yeah, an easier access. Right? And... So 
if the league wants to do themselves some favors, don't have a sale. Don't put their stuff on sale to, to gain that merchandise revenue. Just lower the price point. And if you make it more affordable yeah. for people to get their hands on it, you're going to be making money, right? And come up with some, some decent stuff. You got new era in there now as uh, you know the jerseys and everything like that. Get some good-looking merchandise out there for people want to get their hands on, you know. On a bit of a side topic, say the NFL came a beckoning with a bailout plan, but then they had to adapt NFL rules. Would you support it? I uh... Because to me, that is a potentially distinct option especially as the CFL has come, become a bit of a feeder yeah. league to the NFL every year the you know a handful of our best players are are mostly who wear red and black are going to the NFL every year they yeah they are and i think uh, i th- i think they go but i don't know if they always get the fairest of cuts or like our chances no they, they don't they go they, don't. they hold a clipboard or they run some plays in preseason and then they're cut again yeah, you look at some of the guys that stick around and you see what they do in a preseason game. And it's like, okay, how? Right. Um, I, I, yeah. I, yeah. Alex Singleton leading the Philadelphia Eagles in tackles in the, the preseason that gets cut. Wasn't, like, I think, wasn't Darrell Walker in that same boat in preseason? Like he was, yeah. They go, I think they're given the, sometimes the token opportunity, but the team knows they're going to cut their ass as soon as it comes time. Yeah. And it's frustrating to watch guys go and, you know, Adam Big Hill, he, from what I saw playing with the Saints, there was nothing that, nothing to say he shouldn't have been there, but you know, yeah. he, uh, he comes back, he goes to win. They may have just had a hard time looking at him though. <laughs> well, I'm sure the tackle numbers have helped, but yeah, um, sure. you know, and I, th- I think what bugs me about that is too, is, you get uh, teams letting guys out of contracts to go early. And then when yeah. they come back, they don't re-sign. So you, you give that guy that opportunity, you lose out on your top players and, you know, they might go hold the clipboard. But back to your, about the rule, NFL rules that they've given the bio, I don't know. I, I, I would say yes. I would say it, yes just it because. Is, I don't know. It is the no fun league. I just, I don't. I will watch, you know, barring the wife's at work because she does not want to watch every game as much as I do. She will watch the Lions games with me, but um, I'll watch all the games. I, I don't care who's playing. They're, they're entertaining games because, yeah, we only have nine nine teams, but guess what? Most years, the ninth-place team can beat the first-place team in a game, or you could be down by 15 with a minute and a half to go and come back and win the game. That's yeah, but that might go away. Yeah, that like, that was the CFL, right? Like, it's yeah, you never left before the game was over because something could happen, and for the most part, maybe not. Sometimes over the last few years, the league's been pretty level talent wise. Um, I just find the NFL rules sometimes to drag on, and I just yeah, I don't know. I, I probably would, but it, I don't think I would enjoy it as much. I know I wouldn't enjoy it as much. I would watch because it's still a Calgary-based sports team, but I don't know that I'd keep my tickets, and I would 
be hesitant at best to say that it would be a success with the hardcore CFL fans because the game is totally different and it is more exciting. And if you're going to potentially lose that, I don't know. Sure, there'd be a lot more financial stability, but you're also losing a major piece of Canadiana. And which is another kind of back to the original discussion of the government bailout is let's face it. The great cup is a Canadian institution Absolutely. and it, and the CFL is a profit driver for the Canadian economy. You know, I saw a tweet what, maybe a week ago where it, it generates a few hundred million dollars in revenue for Canada yeah. every year. So I just, I, I, do I think it should, a bailout should happen? No, but I'm kind of with you on, well, if there is, then let's, you know, make it more of a loan that has to be paid back with reasonable terms. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's called, you know, let's make a deal. Because the other part yeah. of it too is you have the MPs, you know, in in government saying that American players living in the states shouldn't get any of that bailout money. Well, uh, sorry, but they pay taxes in Canada, so their yeah. taxes can go to other people's, you know, um, bailout, whatever you want to call it, uh, relief. Yeah. But they don't get the same because. They're American. They absolutely, absolutely. A lot of them raise their families <laughs> here. They live here six months of the year, if not longer. Some of them live here year yep, round. Yeah, absolutely. And our American Bo Levi Mitchell lives in. How Calgary. many of them stay? Right, like, and they stay. Yeah. But to say, well, you can play in our country. You can get paid in our funds. You can pay taxes, but eh, you're not available for a, a bailout because you're an American and not a Canadian. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And I think Mike Riley with his rants about a week ago it, said it best. It's like our kids go to school here. We pay taxes here. It, it was so spot on that it, it was like good for you for speaking. Yeah. I, and I don't think you're going to find, I mean, outside of some people in government that disagree is, is no. so what you, if you're saying, if you're a non-Canadian living in Canada, that pays taxes that you're not entitled to this, that relief as well. Like I don't see the difference between, you know, they're not millionaire pro athletes. These guys aren't, these, no. a lot of these guys are playing for the love of the game. That's why they're athletes. And in the off season, they have another job. Be- or yeah. Two. Because, because <laughs> they don't, it doesn't pay the bills. There was also the idea thrown around that if this relief comes, should the CFL then up the number of Canadians, Canadian starters. And I'm at the point where it's like, why can't we just put the best product on the field? I don't, Yeah, that's what's going to get you the most. I don't think there's anything wrong with the current setup. I don't like, all you're doing is limiting the number of players you're going to have on the field at one time that, that are talented. It's you're just diluting the pool, I think, unfortunately. And that's not to say Canada doesn't do a good job of, building athletes that can play professional sports, but our, you know, you and I saw it in university, our youth sports are nothing compared to um, oh. NCAA down in the States. It's a drop in the bucket. Right? Can you imagine, can we just talked about our, our university, the Lethbridge Fronghorns just lost their hockey team program. Can you imagine a university in the United States losing their football program? I that just doesn't happen, right? So you, 
it's tough. Like you're willing to say, okay, Canadian student athletes go to the U S to, you know, apply your trade, get better and become a professional, but Hey, uh, American and professional athletes, we're not going to bail you out here. Yeah. No, I think it's uh it's a touchy, touchy subject and it, it's, it hits close to home. Yeah. You know, I am an avid, avid CFL fan. I love my Stampeders. I hate the Rough Riders. It's, it, I, I can't go a day without telling someone that the Riders suck. Yeah. That, that's how much I love the CFL. And it, I'm legitimately worried. And it hits very close to home. And I know I've personally kept supporting the team, even though I may not have football to go to this season. If it helps the league stay afloat, I then I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah, I think something's got to be done. Just let's not make it a free handout. Yeah, it can't be. Here's $150 million. Have fun. And then there's got to be a plan to be able to try and draw people back once the fans can come back and it's safe. Yeah. Um, I mean, the tickets aren't unreasonable as it is right now, but got to find a way to get more uh, asses in seats because that's where you're going to get yeah. that money flowing. And that's where I have to give a shout out to the, as much as this pains me, the Edmonton Eskimos who actually were coming up with some very unique ticket ideas to get some younger fans in the seats with some, you know, free admission for children. And they had a, a cheap, I believe it was a student section and good on them. That stuff needs to happen. You need to, like you just said, get some asses in those seats when it's. And it shouldn't just be a CFL thing too. Like it shouldn't cost a family two, $300 to go to a hockey game or go to anything like that. It should be reasonable. How do you, how are you going to get new fans and new people interested in the games? Like, I think there's a huge miss in Canada and I'm going to put this on TSN because you have the NLL and being in Vancouver and watching it there and even getting to some games here in Edmonton when the rush were here, it's a great entertainment value and it's inexpensive, but Tell me last time you saw it on TV. Yeah, not very often. You got to watch it on YouTube. Now, who's going to go search in YouTube? I have tried. It's a pain in the ass. You cannot get to those. So you got to have the TV rights. And, you know, this is what I'm saying. TSN is missing the mark, I think, with not picking it up. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Canada has two national sports. They have a winter sport, hockey, and a summer sport, lacrosse. How is it not on television when Canada feeds that league with players right yeah and it is so much fun to go to it's like an nba game you got music going all the time it's very go 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 it's fast paced it's you know it's 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 worth the money but again they suffer because they don't have the tv sponsorship and i you know i think that's which amazes me because they play out of a lot of the major sports buildings in the U. In North America, you look at it. So, NHL teams own them. Exactly. Cannot, like why? Yeah. Like even the American. Why teams. the the NHL teams in Canada and in the USA? Like why are they not getting this product on TV? Yeah. Because getting that product on TV will inevitably get fans in the seats. Well, I think which is I think it's more of a Canadian problem because I think down in the states, I know the Colorado Mammoth. I think they're on their local channel all the time. But is it altitude or something like that? Yeah, I think that's what it is, yeah. But I've seen, like, it just, 
baffles me that you can't get this game on television. It's a that's how you're going to grow it, right? It's great to see NHL teams like the Canucks, the Flames. I think the Sabers are um, involved with uh, the Bandits. Yeah, you know, are. I think the I think Toronto still owns or has a piece of the Rock. Like it would bring stability to the league a lot more because it it's happening. Too many teams are moving. Too many well, you know, built franchises in the league are leaving cities they've been in forever because they just financially can't do it anymore. A national TV, North American TV deal will do that. It'll keep these teams yeah. in there. You know, I, and again, with the CFL, I know they try and get down to the States, but I don't know how much, you know, TV recognition they get. Or are they on ESPN 98, you know, right behind Dodgeball? Yeah. Well, Dodgeball's on the Ocho. They're, so, I mean, they're a lot higher. Yeah. Right? Well, maybe if in the very first game they had got the national anthem right, that might have helped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but no, I think it's a, it's a very deep topic, and I think there's, to me, there is no right or wrong answer about the CFL. I just personally hope uh, it survives, and that I can go to a game hopefully next year. I'd love to this year, but I'm, I just don't see it happening. Yeah. Um, I think uh, we've kind of hit a. a a very serious point in our discussion. I think let's try and lighten things up a little bit. And uh, it's still COVID related, but, you know, Ken, what are some of the storylines that, you know, COVID has robbed us of in sports over the last couple of months? You know, what, uh, what were you most looking forward to that you now don't get to see? Well, I think for, you know, myself as a Canucks fan, you know, I mean, I, I hold no, delusions that they were cup contenders are going to, you know, if they made the playoffs win the cup. But I think for me, the progression of the Canucks and where they've come from over the last couple of seasons to this year, the young talent that they've been able to, to get and bring through the, through the system. And it, it was for an exciting season, you know, with Pedersen winning the, the rookie of the year last year, uh, Quinn Hughes looking like on pace to be a contender for it this year. And just to see how they would do finishing out the season. Um, in general, the Pacific, uh, the race for who's in, who's out. You know, at any given time, if you could get on a streak, you could go from outside of the wild card to second or even first. Um, for me, that was... Well, and let's face it. Both you and I were very excited to watch the eventual burnout of the Edmonton Oilers oh. that we're we're being robbed of. Yeah, I mean, like make the playoffs and be out in three and a half games would have been beautiful. Right. Like I, <laughs> that many, I think they would have made it that long. Well, I mean, you got to technically play four, but um, yeah, I mean, just to see what, would, you know, the hype, I mean, how many years have we had Sportsnet, TSN, all these sports channels drive down our throats that this is the Oilers year, never prefacing that for another lottery pick. Right. Like, it's always been, oh, this is the Oilers' year. They're going to go. They're going to go. And, you know, second to last yet again. So, I, yeah, I think they definitely, seeing whether they were going to falter under the pressure would have been uh, would have been nice to see. I can tell you that. Well, I know a lot of people were disappointed because it was a very high likelihood that there was going to be a battle of Alberta in round one. And I, as somebody who lives in Alberta, am glad that is not happening <laughs> because – 
the Oilers have been a terribly run organization for years upon years on end. And I don't think they should have been blessed with a battle of Alberta in one of the very few years they do ever get in. I don't think they deserve it. Yeah. And I think it would have been a major injustice for their fans to get to enjoy playoff hockey in such an intense battle when they've had to endure such a terribly run organization. Yeah. I mean, to hear over the years, they're doing it right. Like no finishing last and getting the lottery pick four out of six years is not the way to do it. Cause that just doesn't happen. You know, they had to change the rules because of the Oilers and teams that should have been picking first, second, or third fall to fourth, fifth, and sixth because of the, now the new lottery rules. So yeah. I don't think that is the way to do it. Building your organization through, you know, going through those rebuilds, getting those, you know, blue chip prospects and developing your team is the way to do it. Um, I definitely think the number of Canadian teams potentially that were in the hunt for playoffs was a good thing. You know, it would have been yes, nice that to see. Been exciting. Um, and I, you know, like I said, I don't want to see that just because we're going to go to 24. Um, that's not the way I want to see it. I want to see 16 teams do it the right way. Um, well, you don't want to see the Ottawa Senators squeak into the playoffs? No, no. I think, <laughs> I think them, Detroit, uh, I'm not, I can't remember who else is near the bottom of New Jersey and the California three, California trio were the six not making it. You know, yeah. I think they kind of looked at, who are the ones that are definitely not going to get in? Um, and you guys are still on the outs looking in. So, um, yeah, will be interesting to see if that ever comes to fruition. I personally don't believe it will. I think that all sports, uh, I just don't see anything being played before September or October. And I just, I can't see the NHL wow. or the NBA for that matter going that long. Yeah. I mean, then right there's another one right there at the, the NBA, you know, would the Raptors repeated? Would they have gotten as far as they did without Kawhi? Absolutely. Yeah. That was going to be one of the storylines that I was going to bring up that we were being robbed of. And that was the defending the Raptors defending their championship without Kawhi Leonard. I think they had a very solid team. They were number two in the East. It would have been a difficult road through Milwaukee, but I do believe their veterans were they're now playoff tested, not like in some of the years past where they would flame out in the first round. But I, I think we're being robbed of watching the Raptors go on another championship run. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't watch a lot of it. It kind of goes to my bitterness towards the NBA and uh, what happened with the Grizzlies. But I mean, it, it brought a nation together be following that team, right? You know, everyone was talking about the Raptors and what they were doing. So it, uh, I think, as a nation for Canada, that's a it's a huge loss. I think it's a tremendous loss, especially after the momentum that was gained last year. I even had my family members who could care less about the NBA asking me to order them Kawhi Leonard jerseys during the playoffs last year, and I think we've we've, especially in Canada, this could have actually a very adverse effect on on the growth of the NBA. And don't get me wrong, the NBA is is strong in Canada, but when you kind of get out west, it's not as much, but I think that it was really growing last year. So, I hope that momentum carries on for selfish reasons because I've always been a fan of the NBA, 
Yeah. But I'm, I'm not convinced it will. Well, I know Van- but Vancouver's it, always it, followed and been there for when it, the Raptors would come through or they'd have uh, Steve Nash would bring the Suns and they'd play someone in an exhibition. They always showed up for that. Like, I don't think, you know, there's some hardcore, you know, I hate to use this word, older NBA generation and like myself who uh, grew up with the excitement of getting as a teenager an NBA franchise to then have it torn away. But I still, yeah. Vancouver still, like on the West Coast, has a very large basketball-loving um, population because a lot of the, the younger side that maybe were tail end of the Grizzlies are now seeing the new generation of players in the NBA and they're, they're like, I want to be Steph Curry. I want to be LeBron. You know, I want to yeah. be those guys. I want to be Kyle Lowry. Um, so I, I think, I think it's going to continue. I, I think the momentum because it's so fresh, will still keep going for the NBA in Canada. But back to my story of what is lost us winning our second championship in a row would have just expanded on that momentum. Absolutely. Especially over the Clippers, you know, Duncan on Kawhi. It would have been sweet justice <laughs> watching Kyle Lowry hit the game winning three from the corner over Kawhi Leonard in game seven yeah. of the NBA finals. Yeah, one of those tragic stories that COVID has robbed us of. Well, I think one too is like sticking with a maybe you know Toronto-based team theme, which you know sometimes brings the bile, but not in this case with the Blue Jays. You know, like we're both big Blue Jays fans, and to see, I, I don't think that robbed us of their bullpen again this year. Um, <laughs> that I don't think we got robbed of that in early two thousand, but you know, looking at you know Vladdy Jr. and Bo Bichette and um Kevin Biggio all all the young guys coming up on that team and what they did last year and what can they do now like you know what's next for them it's to see whether they carry it they take the next step um again we've got to temper expectations with the Blue Jays because it's tough for them to get guys they but I, I think seeing the new look Jays this year and those new powder blue unis. I think that's what COVID. Oh, those, those are sexy. <laughs> yeah, I definitely COVID robbed us of those. I mean, um, no, I just definitely. There was, there was an excitement around the Blue Jays for different reasons this year than we've seen in years past, where we knew we probably weren't going to be good, but we knew there was a reason to watch. Yeah. Yeah, you could take the losing because of what the future is potentially going to bring. And, God, we almost sound like Oilers fans. Nah. Don't make me end the podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's not like we have had lottery pick year after year after year after year. Um, you know, I definitely think our bullpen, like I say, we're not we're not robbed of any talent in the bullpen right now. Starting wise. Yeah, no. Yeah. No. But I think there's one more MLB story that's even bigger that we're absolutely being robbed of and I for one was really looking forward to that and that was the redemption tour of Major League Baseball against the Houston Astros yeah yeah I think I don't want to see that forgotten um so but I'm worried if they're playing to empty stadiums it will get forgotten I don't. And those players, no, because those players are not going to face the heckling of the fans and the booing and the days, day in, day out, just the the cheaters and 
there was going to be every ballpark that they went to was going to have such a raucous, ferocious attitude towards these guys that I think they're getting off even easier than they did from the the punishment for major league baseball. Well, I think a 98 mile per hour heater to the hip is going to hurt too. Yeah. But imagine that 98 mile per hour heater to the hip and then 50,000 fans cheering it (laughs) on. Yeah. I mean, that's where you think you pump the crowd noise in and fake it. (laughs) But I just, I, of, of all the stories that I'm really feeling ripped off on that one is, Right near the top um, of things I wanted to see. I must see TV. Glad you brought that one up. Cause I, it, to be honest, I had forgot about it because it had been so long since I, you know, tweeted at Altuve, Bregman, and the rest of them to tell them that they're a bunch of cheaters. But to kind of go quickly off that topic, how did the Red Sox get off so easy? That's a joke. It's, like that's an organization caught twice red-handed, and the fact that you and you get them slap on the wrist like you had alex cora you had the the architect from houston you were using apple watches and got caught yeah and 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 to have a just and they wanted like it was no different they won the championship yet they get less than a slap on the wrist like this is where yeah i think i think that's also where we got robbed of seeing the league go or the rest of the league go you guys cheated just as much you're gonna get the same you know Yeah, I hope I hope that animosity towards the Astros and to some extent the Red Sox, I hope that carries on because that is a a definite storyline that was going to get very intriguing. I think and for different reasons, and I'm not condoning throwing at guys heads with a hundred mile an hour fastball. No, you go to the hip, (laughs) taking one in the hip or in the ribs, you know, here and there, like in spring training, they they got hit a ludicrous amount of time. Oh, they're throwing at rookies who never weren't even in part of it. Yeah. Rookies who, yeah, it wasn't even guys who were part of yeah. it, but it was just the principle. I think if, it, if you guys have any uh, questions, comments, lists you want us to do things you want us to review, talk about, hit us up at the bleacher connection at gmail.com, all one word. And uh, we'll get back to you. And, And for Ken, this is Trevor, and I want to say thank you to everyone who took the time to listen to this. We had a blast doing our first podcast, and we're hoping to do this you know, once or twice a week. And again, if you have questions, concerns, you want to talk to us, just right. shoot Thanks. us an email. We'd talk love to, you to later. hear from you. Thanks, everyone. Bye.